0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading for this week is from the book of Ecclesiastes, or as they call it now, the book of Kohalath. It's one of my favorites in the Old Testament. It's a very strange book. Listen to these famous lines. Vanity of vanities, says Kohalith. Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. Who is Kohalith? We don't know for sure, but judging from his persona in the book, he's someone who has seen it all, has done it all, has had a very rich life, well-educated, wealthy, powerful. For many centuries he was identified with King Solomon himself, but maybe he was someone... Around Solomon. You probably met someone like Kohalith in the course of your life. You know, kind of a crusty old curmudgeon. Down on everything. Well, why is this pessimistic vision in the Bible? Because it's of enormous spiritual importance. Kohalith has seen it all, done it all, had it all. And what's his conclusion? Vanity of vanities. All things are vanity. In other words, nothing in this world is meant finally to satisfy us. We are ordered to a good that lies beyond this world. And the quicker we know it, the better we will live within this world. You know, whenever I read from Kohaleth, I'm reminded of a speech I heard by Richard Rohr, the Franciscan spiritual writer. He was commenting on the initiation rituals of primal peoples. And he distilled from these rituals five great spiritual principles. And I find them very applicable to our lives. And they're very much in line with Kohaleth. Let me go through them really quickly in the short time I have. Here's the first one. Life is hard. Life is hard. When a Christian is initiated in both baptism and confirmation, she's marked with the sign of the cross. And we say, well, it's a nice pious symbol. Well, it's not just a pious symbol. The cross is an instrument of torture on which Jesus suffered and died. In a higher world that might be otherwise, But here below, whether we like it or not, we suffer. We can and should mitigate suffering as much as possible, but we can never eliminate it. It's just part of the structure of life. And see, Christians, one of the great marks of uninitiated people is a constant frustration in the presence of suffering. Why am I suffering? Why has this happened to me? Well, look. You don't suffer? You don't deserve it? You think you're exempt? Some of our greatest spiritual problems come from trying to avoid or eliminate suffering. Initiated people, I would say baptized and confirmed people, know that life is hard. And that sometimes it's precisely through this suffering and pain that God is leading us how often you hear it. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. When Paul cries out, Lord, take away this suffering, he hears, My grace is enough for you, for in weakness power reaches perfection. Life is hard, okay, and sometimes God speaks to us precisely in our suffering. Second principle, you are going to die. Now, only a fool would deny this principle in the abstract. I mean, we all know it. But lots of us deny it in fact. Remember that book from, oh, maybe 20, 25 years ago called The Denial of Death? The thesis of the book was that, to a great extent, our culture is predicated upon this denial. Oh, we'll we'll stave off death with our wealth, our power, our health, even our cosmetics we will stave off death. But see, all the spiritual teachers tell us that many of our pathologies and addictions and attachments are the result of this denial. When you know in your bones that you're going to die, what happens? You become free. Now, I know I'm not supposed to find joy ultimately in this life, Now I know I'm not supposed to find joy ultimately in my wealth and pleasure and power here. All of it I know will fade away. Good. Now I can relax and turn my life over to that power which never dies. I mean the eternal power of God. That's why, you know, when you find in the rule of St. Benedict, he says every monk every day should hold before his eyes his own death. Oh, how morbid, we say. Mm Mm-mm, that's not morbid at all. That's liberating. That's spiritual liberation. I will die one day. Good. Therefore, my life is about the eternal God and not about the passing vanities of this world. Okay, so first principle, life is hard. Second one, you're going to die. Third principle, you are not that important. I know, all these principles are kind of slap in the face. Not out of cruelty, but to wake you up. They're like cold water splashed in your face. You are not that important. A baby, a toddler, a little child naturally thinks the world revolves around him and his needs. Kids are like little kings and queens, aren't they? The world revolves around them. That's why in so many of the initiation rituals of primal peoples, a young man is purposely ripped away from his childhood home and its comforts. He's forced out into nature. He has to fend for himself and survive. What does he realize? He realizes that the universe does not need him. That nature has gone on long before he was even here. It will go on long after he is gone that there is nature and a cosmos that stretch behind, beyond him and his needs and his ego. You know a show i really come to like? It's called Man vs. Wild. I don't know if you've seen that on the Discovery Channel. It's about this fellow from, he's an Englishman who used to be in the, in the British Special Forces. So he's really trained in survival and living in nature. And he's parachuted into a wild area, that he has to survive. What strikes me about him, though, is... This enormous respect that he has for the power and danger of nature. He's not there, you know, walking like a king through these these environments. No, no, he's deeply respectful of the wild of nature. Well, that's part of this initiation, realizing that you're not that important. Think though how much of our culture is predicated upon self esteem. You know, at all costs, you better feel good about yourself. At all costs, no one should ever bring you down. Oh, come on. That's a mark of the uninitiated. You're not that important. God is important. It's not your ego and your little projects that matter, but rather God's. Fourth principle, you are not in control. You are not in control. Now, I know so much of modernity is predicated upon the value of control. Rene Descartes, the philosophical founder of modernity said, the purpose of philosophy is mastery over nature. And we have exercised an extraordinary mastery over nature. Think of technology and medicine and industry. We put a huge value on the mastery of our own bodies, the mastery of our own psyches. But you know what, Christians? Deep down we know that all of this is finally a kind of illusion. Sure, 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 we get some kind of control over our lives and bodies and psyches and nature. But finally, at the end of the day, we are not in control. At key moments in life, we are brought up, often very painfully, against our own limits, our own lack of resources. I know, I know, we try with our wealth and our power and our influence to convince ourselves and others that we're in control. But ultimately we're not. Think of someone who's just sailing along with a prominent social position, a great job, lots of money in the bank. I can handle any problem. Then along comes the stroke or the heart attack or the loss of someone in his own family or even the loss of his job. At those moments when you're knocked down, you realize, I'm not in control. Good. Because that's spiritual liberation. Because now you are in a position to say, perhaps God is in control. Perhaps there's a will greater than my own, a mind greater than my own, that is finally in control of life. So life is hard. You're going to die. You're not that important. You're not in control. And the last one your life is not about you. Now, here's one I've spoken about with you before. But it's the culminating principle of these five. Your life is not about you. And what good news this is. Most of us who think we are pretty important, who think we are in control, who think deep down we're not going to die, who think that life shouldn't be hard, we're convinced life is about us. I'm the star of the show. My projects, that's what matters. My plans, who should get in the way of those? The world revolves around me. But see how narrowly that focuses us. We begin to live in the very narrow space of the small soul. We turn in a kind of fussy way inward around our own preoccupations. The good news is your life is ingredient in an infinite plan, the plan of God. It's not about you, it's about God. The good news is, your projects don't matter that much, but God's do. And you're part of it. You fit into God's mission, God's plan, God's project. And you see how your life becomes so much more compelling, fascinating. You now enter into the great Soul. Hey, if your life is not about you, maybe it is about God. And that's what initiated people begin to understand. Now, I started with Kohalath. I'll go back to him. Here's the guy at the end of his life. Had everything, done everything, seen everything, has known everything that can be known. And he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Don't read him as simply a grumpy old pessimist. His book gets into the Bible because his witness sums up these principles. It's not about you. It's not about this world. It's not about this life. Don't cling. Let go. Let God. And in that, you find peace and freedom.
0: The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.